having a seat at the table and you know, being a leader and being seen as someone who has a voice professionally is still fairly new for women. The private car, I had, you know, the first class plane tickets. I had the gorgeous hotel rooms, like all the things that you think is like, we know this. I don't need more guilt that I'm ignoring my child. I don't need more guilt that I'm not great in my marriage. I know that already. I don't care if you're working 80 hours a week. I can take someone who's working 80 hours a week, show them how to meet their needs and already they feel better. We have athletes don't go for Olympic gold in a state of depletion. Nobody tells you how to protect your mental and emotional well-being and then how to elevate that. You know, you can you you basically tolerate burnout. You tolerate pain, you tolerate emotional burnout, you tolerate overwhelm for decades. I mean, imagine the cost of opportunity, right? The cost right. of lost opportunity of happiness, peace, joy, less revenue, damage, yeah. emotional damage to you and people you love. I mean, that's a that's a that's it's not free, okay? It's very very expensive to not move fast, don't you think? Make a decision. To me, life is all about making decisions. Are you decided you want this result? And I think it it speaks to the fact that guys, we have to we have to catch these things early. It starts with stress. From stress, it goes into anxiety. From anxiety, it can go into like, you know, burnout, mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. and that's when you start letting go. Hello, friends. Welcome to Headspace. You're about to watch my interview and conversation with Kate Byers. I'm a big fan of hers. She is the founder of the Good Life Institute. She has an amazing story and does remarkable work helping women succeed at the workplace in careers without facing or dealing or enduring burnout. She has a tremendous backstory, a journey that took her from VP of a billion dollar company to really having a lot of burnout and she sort of went the other way. She moved to an island, scuba dived and did this minimalist lifestyle for a while. And that wasn't enough because that's not who she was. So she went back into uh, uh, building a company and building a career and helping people. And in that process, in that journey, she founded the Good Life Institute. They do remarkable work uh, with mostly women, but also men. And we'll unpack all of that in this episode and my conversation with Kate Byers. This episode of Headspace is brought to you by Exponential Life, which is my coaching program, which is very appropriate. The backstory there is that I was a very successful artist in my 20s mid-20s, and I became just incredibly anxious, overwhelmed, burned out, and very, very unhappy. And I was able to recalibrate my life and transform my life with the help of some intense coaching, uh, so much so that I've been able to have a very deeply rooted, happy life for over 25 years, and I've been able to help many people that sort of have the same tension of high ambition and high stress, high anxiety, low happiness that I did. So entrepreneurs, executives, athletes, fashion designers, even politicians, uh, to do the same thing. So this program is essentially the framework that I've come up with through the years as I've been helping people on that same journey. I hope you enjoy it. If you're in that place, please check out Exponential.life and see what it's all about. Now back to my interview with Kate Byers. All right, Kate, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, as you know, we spoke for a while uh, before we started recording. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I can't wait to hear your story and ask you some, some fascinating questions that I think our audience, they're going to just love uh, not only your story, but the way you solve the, these problems for, for women all over. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much, Christian, for having me. Uh, so my, here's my first question. Uh, starting with your backstory, I know you were, you were a high-achieving uh, lady, and you were VP of a billion-dollar, international billion-dollar company by age, I think, 30, you said? Yeah. And then... What happened? I think it was some pressure building up. Can you describe the process? And the reason I ask you this question specifically is because these things are so slow that sometimes you just don't notice what happened. And then you find yourself at a place of extreme burnout, things like that. But tell us the process on, on, on how this stuff sort of creeps up on you. 
Yeah, the process of burnout. Okay, great question. Because I think even when I burnt out, I wouldn't have called it burnout. <laughs> I was in exactly. such denial. And I think that's where burnout really does creep up on you. So my backstory is I had been working for a very long time since I was 11. You know, this was back in the days that you could work at any age. But I always had like a newspaper route or babysitting or there was always something I was doing to that I had to focus on good, 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 good grades. There was never a lot of time in my life for leisure, for flow. I would take little bitty snips of it here and there, you know, a vacation, an afternoon, a Friday night, but I was always go, 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 drive, drive, drive. And part of that is because I love to solve problems. There's a lot of creativity in it. But as you just mentioned, by the time I was 30, I had been promoted to vice president and I got there through a lot of hard work which is what we're told in our culture is supposed to happen, right? You work hard and then you're gonna get these rewards. And all I saw, Christian, at the executive level was just more hard work. I mean, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> when do I get to relax? When do I get to enjoy this? It was just like, great, now you're gonna solve this tough problem and now we're gonna give you this challenge. And I would literally like just finish an assignment, finish getting something across the goal line. And then here came the next thing that they needed me to spearhead. Um, and this is how a lot of companies operate. Like this is our culture. But what happened for me was I just started looking out the window. I call it like I was looking out the window and there, you know, along the highway was someone like riding a bike or something. And I'd be like, oh, I wish I was them. <laughs> and you start having these little escape fantasies, you know, oh, I wish I could be a professional blogger. At the time I had horses and I was like, what if I could have a horse farm and every day I'll just get up and put on jeans and be like, you know, scuffy boots and not have to put on a business suit or makeup and I can just play with horses all day long. And you start having these fantasies of letting go of the life you're living in and there's going to be this other life, you know, over there that's greener. And what's difficult about this is we don't really have a good way to, to measure Am I really excited about, like, let's just say in my case, owning a horse farm? Or is that just me saying I'm suffering where I'm at and it's I got to do something about this? And so what was happening for me is I just started letting go and letting go and everything else just seemed more attractive versus the life I was in. And then it got to the point where I started like skipping meetings or coming in late or not going on a business trip. And I started to rationalize that going like, oh, they don't really need me. Well, you know, I'm just at a different phase in my career now. This isn't as important to me. And when you find yourself just starting to rationalize and your body just is, is craving, like just not getting on airplanes or not going in the office, physically and psychologically, like that is burnout. That is where you have already gotten beyond pre-burnout into it's time to let go. And this is where we see a lot of people just walking away from their career going, no, no, it's going to be okay. I really want to, whatever, own a horse farm. Um, and I always say, you know, it's better to understand, are you walking away from something you don't want or are you moving to something you do want? Because if you're moving to something you want, that's probably a good indication you should do it. But if you're just walking away from something you don't want, that's probably burnout. That is that is that's brilliant and and i think what i love about how you you describe it dissect it is that you can you're showing us the red flags right mm. you're showing us this is how this kind of thing burnout unhappiness starts popping up in behavior even when we don't know what it is right even when we don't put that label on it because it's scary to even put that label on it. Yeah. Well, and especially being a high achiever, right? High achievers, Precisely. we don't fail. We don't have weak points. There's no weakness in us. Right? Yes. This is how yes. we... Absolutely. And then you see these things. Like I, I used to get so stressed out and not stressed out like I can't do my job. Like I, like I got it. You know, confidence was not an issue. But just the weight of everything I carried, you know, I would go to the ice cream shop and get like the triple dip and suck it down <laughs> like that. You know, I would go to the grocery store and buy Little Debbie's. Got to plug Little Debbie's, man. I used to like horse those things down. Like, <laughs> yes. This is like, like stress eating. Like these yeah. are all indications. It starts with stress. From stress, it goes into anxiety. From anxiety, it can go into like, you know, burnout, mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. and that's when you start letting go. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, that's fascinating. It, do you find in, in this, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to ask you because you're an expert and because you work with women primarily. My sense is that women get it first. Like they're, they're, they're more self-aware than men are, generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, right? Do you, do you find that to be true or do you feel like high-achieving women are as clueless or as much in denial as men are? It's in terms of burnout? Yeah, in, 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 the, in, terms, in terms of getting in touch with the fact that, okay, this is not going well. It's going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think it depends. I, I do feel like women are playing a bit of a different game than men are, especially in the workforce. But in life in general, women tend to play not to lose. Men play to win is what we see. And so especially professionally, remember having a seat at the table and you know, being a leader and being seen as someone who has a voice professionally is still fairly new for women. And so culturally what's happening is women are like, well, oh my gosh, I've arrived. I can't lose this. So we always call it like they're clawing at the proverbial table where men will just walk in and be like, well, duh, you're paying me to have my voice, right? Don't you want to know what I say? <laughs> like men are just like, it's obvious. Of course I'm in the room. Like men are not as worried about losing their place. They're not worried about representing. So women have this added pressure. Um, and then women are also raised differently. And so we have a lot of fears about being um you know seen as someone who's too weak seeing this too emotional but then how do you be emotional enough and you know guys are going through their own thing as well but i think for women that the, the biggest factor where women burn out is they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win so they don't take care of themselves they don't understand how to lead with confidence they don't understand how to show up at work with confidence there's always this underlying fear whether you call it imposter syndrome or just fear of losing your place at the table where I think men are not operating in that way. What we see with men more often is men, it's, it's, it's not as much burnout like I'm overwhelmed. It's more, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, like I'm working this hard for what? Just to be on the golf course to make another business deal? And again, I'm being really stereotypical here. I'm just giving like, you know, examples. Yeah, high why level stuff. Spend, yeah, like why would I want to spend the rest of my life on a golf course making business deals? Like I want to be home with my kids or I want to be playing basketball mm -hmm. with my and so for men, it tends to be like this lack of fulfillment. Like, oh, interesting. Where with women, it's more like I'm overwhelmed that I can't do this one more day. I find so that I men don't get so, as overwhelmed. So it seems that what I think what you're saying to me, if I'm hearing this correctly, is that men don't, I mean, there's an actual genuine layer to high achieving women that is worse. It's, it's hard, just harder. It's more painful yeah. than yeah. for men. And then at the same time, I think what men may may feel is they just it's easier for us because I think it feels more natural. Like, yeah, we belong at the table, that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet at the same time, it's like it's also fainter when it comes to being aware of it. Right. Um, sure. I think our, sure. I, th I think we're more dull in the, in the sense of we're actually wired to be in in more high stress situations, I think by, yeah. by nature, I guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's what testosterone's for, right? To go out and hunt and do all the things. Exactly. Do dangerous I things. Think, yes. And I think for men though, where men are struggling is it's almost the opposite. It's like men have this shame about wanting to be full-time dads or wanting to be home more or wanting to not be like the guy. Interesting. Who's the yeah. You know, now there's like all these guys are like, wait, I don't want to be working 80 hours a week, taking care of the family in the traditional way. Like mm -hmm. I actually want to ski, you know, like I have this great hobby or whatever they want. And so men are finding this like lack of fulfillment, but then there's shame around it because shouldn't you want to be climbing the ladder, providing, making yeah. tons of money? Like that's how men are seen as providers for so long. And it's like, that no, I'm actually kind of happy if my wife provides or my partner provides and I just want to go ski every day yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah, so you it's should just be different. Yeah. That. I mean, yeah. but it affects everybody. So in your, I think knowing your story a little bit, uh, what I hear, what I remember is that, you know, you were VP of this massive company at age 33. It, it, it feel it, what I get from the story is that you hit a wall of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you, were ousted or you basically were not that didn't have to like you almost wished you were fired and then you were and then what happened 
I think you went like literally like completely simple life for some time. So I want to I want to hear about that transition and how that worked out for you. Okay. Uh, absolutely. So what happened was, yes. So when I walked away from that career, I was invited to walk away, but I yeah. could have, um, I could have gone on and, you know, there was all sorts of resources to like, I had job offers in Toronto and I had job offers in Spain and there's other places I could have gone and continued my career. Right. So when I say I walked away, I didn't continue yes, in the makes sense. corporate marketing executive role. Um, Part of my burnout was that I was really missing, you know, doing something other than work, 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 work. And so I had started scuba diving and we had some friends that lived on this island and said, why don't you come down here and work for us and we can all scuba dive and have fun. And like every day you're on a boat and how easy is this? And I was like, oh, perfect, perfect. But note, Kate's still working. Now I'm just working as a dive instructor and a dive master, right? I'm still working. I wasn't just sitting on the beach, but I thought, Gosh, you know, I have it all, right? Like I, as an executive had, you know, the private car, I had, you know, the first class plane tickets, I had the gorgeous hotel rooms, like all the things that you think, or you're told you're going to get when you're successful, the great bank account. And I was still unhappy. And so I'm like, well, there must be something wrong with me. I've made the wrong choice. I screwed this up somehow. Uh So maybe it is the simple life. And that's where we see the biggest crisis for people. Because when you've done all the things and you're in the top 5% or top 1% and you're doing those things and it's still not bringing you happiness, the only thing to do is to look inward and start blaming yourself. I must be broken. There must be something wrong with me, right? So I go off to this island thinking, well, this is going to be better. Let me just be a dive bomb. I've never done this before. And it was great for about six weeks. I mean, literally, you're like, this is amazing. I'm just like, no decisions, super easy. All you got to do is put a bathing suit on and help people out on vacation. Until my friend said, okay, great. Training's over. Now you're in charge. Here's the boat. Here's the people. Don't kill anyone. Don't hit anything. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) know what i'm doing i don't know how to drive a boat i don't know how to keep these people from dying i mean i kind of did like i had so i was trained and certified but not really and so what had happened is i traded off this world where i had all this experience and i'd worked you know I'd, i'd worked up this knowledge base that helped me be really confident in what i did to this brand new simple life world where now i am crashing into docks and all sorts of things on these boats because i have no clue what i'm doing and like it's just the stress all over again, right? It's still the same fear of failure. It's still the same, like everything that you have in you, you're taking with you to this island. Yeah, wherever you and go, would, there you are, right? There you are, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. you know, and I would lay awake at night with this little dive shop and I'd be like, oh, what if I re-merchandise it? What if the sunglasses go here and the suntan lotion <laughs> goes here? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the crazy, the, this, this inability yeah, yeah. to shut off oh, and totally. to really live simply was just not with me because you still have your drive you have a culture of excellence you have this this desire to for a higher sort of up upside of whatever it is that you're doing only you have a extremely limited in your income right like you can't charge more than a certain amount of money for the stuff (laughs) make it like eight bucks an hour seriously yeah exactly (laughs) yeah the drive is there, the excellence is there, the upside, desire for upside is there, but the upside is super limited, right? So yeah. uh, then you go, okay, this is not working either. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't so because because I knew who I was. That's where I figured out in the islands. I was like, okay, wait, now I'm not happy in the simple life. Yes. That's not who I am. There's nothing wrong with it. There's, it's a beautiful life. There was a lot of beauty in that in that time. Yeah. But I realized like, wait, this is who I am. I'm someone who likes to solve big problems. I'm someone who likes to go at a certain pace. How do I find the in-between, not the simple life, but not the crazy, oh my gosh, we always have to be working 80 hours a week for the rest of our life at, you know, octane, whatever, you know, like full Mm -hmm. mock mock 11. How do I find in-between? And that's where I said, okay, let's go, let's let's figure this out. There's got to be a third way someone had to have figured this out. And if not, I'm going to, because I'm just not going to, like you're saying, sit on an island somewhere making $8 an hour and be happy the rest of my life. But I also don't want to go back to this world where I'm on private jets, you know, um, every single day of the week and I don't even get to see my house, right? And you were starting a family at the time, correct? 
almost in the islands. I met my husband. He was okay. my boyfriend at the time. And then we decided to come back to the States and start mm -hmm. a family. Um, not right away. It took us about three or four years, but yeah, we were moving in that direction. And it was like, holy cow, like how so you start thinking that? about that aspect and that dimension as oh. well. Now you, now you start a family. You can't just, you're not just alone in an island no. and, and not care. Right. No. So, no. so how, how, what was the transition like back into whatever mainstream life or mm. whatever you want to call that? For me, it was not easy. The The burnout held on psychologically for quite a while. So it took me from the time I walked away to the time I came back into my career four years. And if you, even when we moved back from the islands, we were living this very simple life, like under the radar, mm. um, you know, just doing odd jobs. Like I was still not back in my career. I was just, but I was learning and I was using my knowledge of human behavior as a marketer, but now I was applying it to this new problem instead of like, well, how do we bring more people over to this brand, which is what I'd always done with human behavior. Now it's like, what as humans is going to help us thrive in our careers without having to overgive to the point where we burn out. So I was kind of testing and playing with that. But like, if you had said, Hey, Kate, why, I, we've got this great job available for a VP of marketing. I, literally would have been sick to my stomach. I wouldn't have like physically, I would not really. Even wow. So it's sort of a PTSD kind of level thing. Like you're still feeling it, right? You're, you're yeah. triggered even by the thought of it. It is. is yeah. Because what happens is when you've pushed your psychology and you've pushed your biology, mm -hmm. like your physical and your, your mental self so yeah. far beyond the, you know, the limits of what human thriving is, and you've been in a deficit for as long as I was, it's oh, going wow. to take time to come back from that. Yeah. Wow. It's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. And I think it, it speaks to the fact that guys, we have to, we have to catch these things early. Seriously. Like don't allow yourself to get to a place where you can't even think about a thriving career just because it just strikes fear in you. It makes you feel, to, uh, you know, bad, you know, feel sick to your stomach. You, yeah. I think I read something, um, a quote from you where you said, my career was not the problem. I was the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, I think that was a fantastic statement, very insightful. Can you unpack that for us? Because I think it's something that many, many people out there are experiencing right now. Sure. Well, I think there's this, yeah, and I think this, I'm so glad you brought this up, Christian, because I think there's this sort of um, notion that, you know, as soon as the corporation, let's just say, changes, then we can all live better lives. And I, whether it's my Gen X raising or whatever it is, I'm always a big proponent. Like, that's great. I can't wait till the corporation changes and gives us more work-life balance options. And I do believe that's a piece of it. But what can I do for myself to make my circumstances more favorable for the life I want? And so big pieces for me were, for example, being a woman who had a place at the table and was scared to lose it, I had fear of missing out. So if somebody said, hey, Kate, can you do this? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Can you go on this business trip? Yes. Oh, can you extend the business trip? Yes. I said yes to everything. And women do this a lot. Part of it is how we're raised as young girls. Be nice. Say yes. Be sure to share. Don't hurt anyone's feelings. Men don't get as much of that conditioning as young boys. And so I was a yes machine. Now, that doesn't do bode well for two things. One is it doesn't do a lot for you as an executive or as someone who is in any role. If you're constantly going to say yes, you're going to burn out because your needs aren't going to get met, right? Everyone else is getting something from you and you're not filling your cup. And then the second thing that I didn't realize, and we teach women this all day long, is it doesn't make you influential. You are not influential when you're the workhorse. When everyone's like, oh, you know what? Let's just give it to Kate. Oh, Kate will get it done. Oh, yeah. Throw it over to Kate. She'll, she'll make it happen. It feels good for a while because you feel like, oh, everything. You feel validated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel validated. I get all these important projects. But all you really are is everyone else's workhorse. And when you learn to create intelligent boundaries around your time, I might be able to do that. I can do that, but not for another month. I can do that, but only in this version of it, you know, I can't give you everything you want. People start going, wait a minute, this person must be important. <laughs> this person manages their time. Well, this person isn't always accessible. And that doesn't mean that you don't ever say yes to something. It doesn't mean that you don't ever um, work late and help with the latest fire that's going on, the latest fire drill. Sometimes you do those things, but you also have to be comfortable when the big boss has called a meeting at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and you are just getting ready to go take your kids to the movies because that's what you promised saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to miss this, but I will catch up with you guys, whatever, Saturday morning or Monday afternoon or whenever it is. 
that actually creates higher value in you. And I did not understand that whatsoever. I thought if I say no, they're going to choose someone else and I'm going to miss out. That is, that is brilliant. That's, those are such, such valuable insights, seriously. Uh, I think it also applies to men as well. I think women probably feel it a little bit more, mm. but it applies to men. Like I, I, I like feeling important and, yeah. and I like it when people ask me, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you get involved in this board or in this committee or in this, you know, when you reach a certain level of mastery, uh, there's, there's almost like a dopamine, a, a, of importance, sure. let's put it that way, right? Uh, yeah. That's there, and it really doesn't help uh, in the long run um, if that sort of becomes one of your key motivators in in life when you when you when you have real mastery in a career. I think you wrote an didn't you write an article on on, on LinkedIn, sort of expressing your journey a little bit, and it had like this incredible, uh, almost viral effect. Can, can you tell us about that? Because it, it, yeah. it seemed to have resonated with people. It did. It did. So I wrote, so the reason the company I have now even started was I wrote this article on LinkedIn talking about how I burned out. I go to live on this island and what that was like. Yeah. And I thought like, no one's going to read this. Like, you know, you call your four friends and you're like, can you please like my articles? So And what happened instead was I had literally tens and tens of thousands. I think we had almost a million people who read that article. I had wow. thousands of people write to me. Um, at the time, I this was back in 2016, so I started a blog. I got everyone on my email list. I was a blogger and the whole thing because people were like, this is happening to me. And it was men and women. It wasn't just women. Really? Men wow. who were saying mm -hmm. like, again, I've worked this hard and why? You know, I don't understand. This is not, I'm not happy. I'm just going through the motions every day because I've built this life around this paycheck and this job. And I know there's elements of it I like, but in general, I'm pretty dissatisfied with my life. Uh -huh. So it was romantic, right? You pulled the plug. You went and lived on an island. I want to do that. You're well, my hero. Know. Yeah. I know, right. And people don't really want to pull the plug. Some no, do. No, of course not. But they like really the idea of it, but then not the reality of it, right? Yeah. But what most people are looking for and like the, the clients we work with is they're like, look, I don't necessarily want to pull the plug. Like we work with a lot of surgeons. We work with a lot of people, especially since COVID or in healthcare. And one of the things that we have to help them with their conditioning, they have been conditioned all through medical school from residency. You know, you, you don't sleep. You give yourself to the patient. You give up your health to save more people. And that doesn't work. And I don't care if you're a business person or you're in healthcare, we all have had that moment where we finally get rest or you're taking a shower or you go on vacation and then you come back and you're sharper and you're more creative and you solve problems faster and you're able to make better decisions. So we're always trying to unwind that whole way that we've been taught to create success. And like what we tell the people in healthcare, we're like, look, you can run down the hill as fast as you can and you'll save one person. But if you walk down the hill, you can save thousands. So we need to teach you how to walk down the hill. You're still walking down the hill to go help these people, but we're going to save a thousand. And that's a hard concept for all of us to understand is when you have a full cup, when you've taken care of yourself, when you are satiated and your needs are met, you've got the white space to perform at a very high level. And it's just like being a peak, you know, it's peak performance state. It's just like being an athlete. Athletes don't go for Olympic gold in a state of depletion. We can't do that either. And when you start to rewire that and rewind that story and you start creating success from a place of saying, you know what? No, right now I need to fill my cup, but I'll see you on Monday. Or I'll see you in a week. You're going to come back and you're going to solve the problems better anyways, and you're going to get there faster and more effectively. That's what it's all about. And that's pretty cool. That's really powerful. And, um, you know, you and I spoke before that off sort of off record, literally, because we're not recording, uh, about uh, I'm running a coaching program as well. You started way ahead of me. So I was asking you all these questions. So can you tell us then about your work? Can you tell us in more detail in a more granular way about the Good Life Institute, who you work with? Uh, what's the what's the right person? What's the right candidate to work with you? And how do you solve those problems? Because the insights are clearly amazing and remarkable. And the, the need is clearly massively there, right? Because of the response you have. Yeah, no, thank you. I think, um, okay, so the Good Life Institute, uh, I co-founded with my husband uh, back in 2016. 
what the Good Life Institute mission is, and we're, we're still at the beginning of it, is to really create a society where humans can flourish. And when you think about the society that we have right now, which tells you go to school, get good grades, work hard, work even harder, work a little bit harder, and then someday you'll be able to enjoy the good life. We want to change that narrative because that's not the good life. The good life is enjoying your life every day all along the way. And that doesn't mean that you don't have good moments and bad moments and tragedies happen. Yes, I'm not saying that every day is just idyllic, but it's learning to live in a place where you are able to get your needs met, smell the roses along the way on the journey of creating more and more and more well-being for yourself and evolving. That's what we're designed to do. We're evolved to, we're designed to evolve and enjoy our lives. So the people we work with right now are typically high achievers, people who are career-minded professionals who love their work. They're not just working for a paycheck. They're actually doing this because it's like, this is who I am. And that's what I discovered in the island, right? Like, this is who I am. I enjoy working. I enjoy this creative output. However, I'm not fulfilled or I'm feeling like I'm giving too much. And especially um, most of the people we work with right now are women. Although we do have a leadership program that includes that's um, for both men and women. So if you're a guy who is also struggling with these things, we do have a way to facilitate that as well to help you. But basically you're someone who's like, look, I'm burning out. I don't want to walk away from my career or I think I want to walk away from it. But what would I do next? Like, I don't know. And that's the worst place to be because when you've worked so hard to attain something and then all of a sudden you're thinking about letting it go, that's that can be even worse. You get to the other side of it if you trade off something you've loved. And that's what I did. So we work with a lot of women who are professional. They're high um, achievers. They're in demanding roles, whether they're in sales, whether they own their own company, um, again, whether they're surgeons, doctors, uh, medical providers, executives, mid-level execs, it doesn't matter. And you want to find a way to work without a trade-off. So there's no burnout. You can actually thrive. You get to enjoy having a private life and you know how to create the time and space for that. That's who we really help because that's important. We want, um, you know, our company wants more women in leadership, but we also want men to thrive as well as leaders. And that's why we have that leadership program. So men can also figure out how and learn how to work in a way that is conducive to their well-being so they can also be great leaders and help change the paradigm in the companies they're at. So everybody, like they get the benefit as a guy of having people on your team who are working in a place from thriving instead of depletion. Talk about business results. It's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely. Do you find, because you've worked with, obviously you've, you've had this stretch of experience, right? Working with very diverse background situations, reasons why people get burned out. Do you have maybe, obviously, you know, you have patterns right now. You have this very clear vision. These are, the, let's say, top three or top five things that will transform your life from a, a life of burnout or, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, to the good life in, in you. I mean, I'm sure there are, what are the top, let's say the top three. Can you give me the top three? Yeah. Well, the first thing we teach everyone to do, and we even do this in our free training that you can watch online, is we teach people how to meet their needs. And right. what we mean by that is culture has taught us how to meet our needs in a way that's not effective. So the first thing we do is say, here's your human needs that are innate. How do you meet them in a way that you feel satiated? And I don't care if you're working 80 hours a week. I can take someone who's working 80 hours a week, show them how to meet their needs, and already they feel better. We haven't even carved any time away. And I think that's the problem. A lot of people are like, well, if I only worked a 40 hour week, no, <laughs> I've worked 40 hours a week and didn't know how to meet my needs. And I was equally as unhappy. Right? So the very first thing is you have to learn how to, how to meet your needs. The second thing is, especially if you're a high achiever and you've got a big life, then you have to learn how to protect your mental and emotional well-being. And we're not taught how to do that. Right? We're, we are taught strategy from childhood forward. It's tactic, 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 get good grades, work hard, nose to the grindstone. Nobody tells you how to protect your mental and emotional well-being, and then how to elevate that. No different than if you're going from playing, I don't know, high school football to the NFL, right? Like you're not going to take the same mental game and the same emotional game you had as a high schooler into professional sports. Of so course. if you don't learn how to upgrade that, and how to protect it, then again, now you're playing on your back foot instead of playing forward. So that's the second thing. You really have to protect your mental and emotional well-being. 
really work on that EQ and then also learn how to put up boundaries so that you have that space to do those things. So those are the two things that are most important. And then I think the third thing is more strategic. It's how do you navigate your career, whether you're in leadership, whether you're someone who is led, whether you're someone who is an entrepreneur, how do you navigate that career effectively? So you're getting the results you want, but you're doing it in less time. You're doing it with more effectiveness. I'm not a big person about efficiency. I mean, time management is great. I'm all about effectiveness. How can I get... How can I hire a team that immediately gets me and where we're going and supports me without six months of training and development, right? Like that would be an example of effectiveness. If you know how to do that, you've just shaved like years of stress off of your life and off of exactly. your business or whatever. Yeah. So then there, I think there is that last piece, which is how do you really operate effectively in your career and what are those mm -hmm. strategies? And so, that to me, like that's the trifecta. That's, that's very valuable. Can, can you unpack a little bit the, the basic human needs part for us? Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is because, look, it seems obvious and self-evident, mm -hmm. except for someone who is a high achiever, and they have these hyper-focus on the things that actually are not the, the basic human needs, right? Right. So there's, they're almost lose, I think we almost, I mean, I'm a high achiever as well, we almost lose sensitivity to the need for that because we're so hyper-focused on whatever achievement or goal or target or whatever, numeric target or position or record of something. Um, so can you reiterate those things? And, and how easy is it to actually convince people to pay attention to those things if they're not already? <laughs> oh, two good questions. Okay. So I'm going to go backwards. So I don't think it's easy to convince people to do things if they're not focused right. on the results. Do you know what I'm saying? So if someone's yeah. sitting here listening to this broadcast right now and they're like, oh, that's great. Kate said that there's needs. Neato. Like that's just going to go in one ear and out the other unless they're dealing with the problem that I solve. And then they're going to be like, okay, well, maybe I should listen to this person and try this. Yeah. Um, so they, sh they should be pre-convinced in some way going, look, like you either need the help or you don't need the help, right? Is that, is that Yeah. I mean, when I look at it, when I go to learn something like, um, let's just say again, I'm going to take tennis lessons. Like, I don't need to know how you're going to teach me how to do tennis lessons. I need to know, like, are you going to get me a result? If I take tennis lessons from you, will I now be able to go, I don't know, to the club and play um, at a amateur, whatever, an amateur level and win, you know, some matches. That's what I want. That's my result. But if we're going to sit here, but well, you're gonna have to bounce the ball this way. And then this is like the skirt you're gonna have to wear and these shoes, like people get so wrapped up in the how, like who cares about the how focus on the result. So for me, if someone wants the result of getting away from this trade-off between simple life and then crazy, you know, um, successful life, then that's where you would start paying attention to the things that I'm talking about and what, what we, okay. So there's, so now back to your other question about needs. A lot of different people have needs out there. Um, Tony Robbins talks about needs. Um, you've got Maslow's hierarchy of needs. A lot of people will have their own sort of description of needs, their buckets of needs. So we have, we have come up with our own sort of way that we talk about human needs, seven different ones that, we've, that we believe are innate, but it really doesn't matter. If you want to use Tony Robbins' version of it. I it have seven matter. too. That's fascinating. That's great. Okay. okay. I want, right. Now I want to compare our, uh, our buckets. Yeah. So everyone's going to have this concept of what human needs are and what we need to pay attention to. I think the big thing what people miss is typically when you're reading, whether it's self-help, whether you're reading from another coach, whether you're reading in psychology, everyone's like, for example, we have a need for connection. That's a pretty easy one, right? Okay, yeah. great. We're yeah. all going to agree on the need for connection. You need to get your connection needs met. Okay. See ya. <laughs> Yeah, like, exactly. How? And How? so what happens is where people fall short is like, we know this. I don't need more guilt that I'm ignoring my child. I don't need more guilt that I'm not great in my marriage. I know that already. No one needs to tell me that that's mm -hmm. a human need that if I meet it, then I will be happier. What happens is we don't know how to meet it effectively. And True. so what happens is, so for example, this would be, um, let's take from connection. Let's just say in my marriage, I work all the time. And then every so often I try to have a date night with my partner and we go on the date night and we've all done this, right? You're at the fancy restaurant. You've put all this pressure on date night. You sit there and you stare at each other and you're bored. You have nothing to talk about. You fought on the way there because you were going to be late. Your dress wasn't, you know, didn't go to the dry cleaners on time because you didn't have time. I mean, all the things we put all this pressure and then we're like, oh. 
well, why bother with date nights anymore? They're never fun anyways, right? And that is an example of a strategy to meet a need that's completely ineffective. Because if I'm working 80 hours a week, I am not trying to go on a date night with my husband. <laughs> what I'm doing are things like sending him texts throughout the day, telling him how amazing he is. It might be writing him a little love note that says, I miss you and I won't be working late like this all the time, but thank you so much for understanding me. It might be, you know, speaking to him in his love language, whether that's taking the trash out or, or, or whatever it is, right? And so what we forget is that we have our own way of meeting our needs and those ways of meeting our needs have also been conditioned and they may not be effective. And so then what happens is biologically, you don't get satiated. Went on date night, didn't help me meet my need for connection. Now I'm back at work and I still feel unhappy because my need for connection isn't being met because what I chose was ineffective. And so when you can help people see the connection between the strategies they're using to meet a need and which ones are effective for them at this chapter in their life, because it's right. going to change and which ones aren't, then they can start moving that, right? For example, an another great one is bedtime with little kids. Anyone who has little kids knows that bedtime is just hell. Sorry, not sorry. It just is. I mean, by yeah. the time you get to bedtime, like you're done as a parent, <laughs> the kids are done. Yeah. Kids are never done. They're like, I want to stay up and have more stories. That is not the time to put a bunch of pressure on like, I'm going to connect with my kids at bedtime and I'm going to read stories in five different voices and be fun. It's like, no, you're not. Like you're exhausted. Like you just want them to go to sleep. Like, let's just be <laughs> like, come on, really? But what if we read that story? If reading a story to your child in voices is important to you, why not do that before dinner at the dinner table? Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, let's just yeah. move that strategy to five in the afternoon or seven in the evening instead of eight o'clock at night when you're exhausted. And now all of a sudden you feel great as a parent. You've read the story. And then when bedtime comes, like, it's all like, whatever you got to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, even just making more strategies that work for you in this phase of life mm -hmm. to get your needs satiated goes, that does more for you biologically. Now you feel better. You're excited. You've protected yourself emotionally. You feel amazing. Yeah, I really had a great night with my kids. Ooh, you know what? I'm working a lot, but I'm still having this strong level of connection. And guess what happens? You go into work the next day feeling great. You make better decisions, you're more creative, you have more energy, life is good. And those are just like little micro examples. And so for us, it's not just knowing what the seven needs are, it's do you know how to meet those yes. needs effectively? Yeah. Now, all the, and, and I don't tell you what to do. Like I homeschool my kids. I'm not gonna tell you to homeschool your kids. That might not be the most effective way for you to raise your children. That's right. Everyone's gonna have a different way. And I think that's the other thing that people chase is like, when I was burning out, I was like, oh, you should yoga. You should do yoga every day. I was like, okay, I'm going to do yoga. This is going to make me feel better. I hate yoga. Like I've done yoga for 40 years on and off and I just don't like it. So I kept trying to use someone else's strategy because it should make me feel better. And it never did. And so what happened? I felt like there was something wrong with me. And so it's really figuring out like what is an effective strategy for you in your life that's going to get you that need satiated to where you feel amazing and you get those dialed in and then you understand how to play with them over time as life changes and things come up for you. It's like, you've got the key to like, you know, longevity for like, what is it? The golden chalice or whatever you call it. Like it's like Indiana Jones or whatever that is. Like it really feels like, Oh, life is good. Like I really can be this happy all the time. Like that's what it feels like. It's just amazing. That's, that's actually really brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree that how is, is not only as important, is more important than the what, because in broad strokes, everybody knows what the what is, right? Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, yeah. just like you said, I mean, you can, you can pick up any book on positive psychology or spiritual development and you'll find very a, a very similar list of things, but the how it's a whole mm. different ball game, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a whole different ball game. Now, yeah. can you just for the sake of of us sort of completing that circle of okay, what are the seven things? Can you list the rest of them? So the human connection was one, right? Yep. So you've got connection and health; those are pretty obvious. You've got yes. safety or security. So we need mm -hmm. to feel safe as humans, otherwise mm -hmm. we're not going to thrive. Um, you've also got autonomy, which is personal and social freedom. Yeah. You've got, let's see, that was four. You've got purpose, meaning and purpose. We have to believe that our life has meaning and it's purposeful. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we would fail to exist. 
you need some sort of flow, leisure, rest, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say leisure, people are like, I need a hobby. No, we're just talking about disconnecting your mind from the everyday. It could be yeah. kicking a ball around outside with your kid. It doesn't matter. Some sort of flow. And then the last thing is esteem. We all have a need for esteem, um, not self-esteem that's sort of taught in popular psychology, but more esteem that's biological, which is we have to believe that we matter and that we are capable yeah. of surviving. And you have those seven things and you're just playing with them and dialing those in and just getting more and more effective strategies for those. And again, those are our seven. If you want to use Christian seven, if you want to use Tony Robbins eight sure. or whatever you want to use, like that to me is not the point. It's, it's learning how to better meet those needs because society has told you this is what you should do. This is how you should behave. This is what kind of house to buy or car to have or job to have or education to have or relationship to have. Like that's what society is teaching you. When you can get rid of the, the societal frame and go, look, figure out what's going to work for you and you start playing with that, life gets really fun. That's fantastic. Well, it's this, is, this has been incredibly valuable. Um, I'll have one last question before I, question before I let you go. What kind of frame of mind mindset should someone be to join a coaching program? It could be your program, my program. What is because obviously you can read fifty books and not yeah. get any results, right? Anything good in life requires effort, focus, discipline. Yep. You have to you have to do certain things. What kind of frame of mind do you think is necessary for someone to enter a program like yours and then succeed? I think you just have to make a decision. To me, life is all about making decisions. Are you decided you want this result? And then you go find the best possible way to get that result. Right. So let's just say we've all bought tons of like weight loss books or, you know, physical conditioning books or whatever. We probably all have bookshelves and computers full of these different programs. But what the missing ingredient is, have we made a decision that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how many times we fail, we are going to find a way to change our, let's just say our physical shape. Has that decision been made? And typically, no. Typically what happens is, you know, it'd be nice if I lost five pounds. That'd be kind of cool if I had some muscles. Yeah, I don't, what are you using? Oh, you're using that? Let me try that. And then we kind of put our toe in it. And we sort of like, but think about like your career. Like most of us in our career, like we had to make a decision at a very young age to whatever, go to college, go to trade school to, and we've put a lot of time and effort into getting good in our career. And then we go to do this other thing. Let's just say in my case, my clients come to me to learn how to stop having the trade-off and to avoid burnout or to overcome burnout. They had to make a decision. I will not live in this state one more day. I do not want to have burnout. I do not want to make trade-offs anymore. I will have a career and I will have a great life. So they've made the decision. Now, are they afraid? Are they scared things won't work? Are they worried that there's something wrong with them? Do they have all sorts of, you know, bobbles along the way? Of course, we all do, right? I have had tons of that in different decisions I've made in my life. We've had this in our marriages. We decided we wanted to get married and we went out and found a partner, right? Does that mean marriage is easy and there weren't times that you're like, okay, I don't know about this anymore? <laughs> no. And so that's part of the natural process. And I think what happens is in our culture of sort of like buyer's remorse, so we've all gotten ripped off by, you know, whatever. We're afraid to actually go full in on something, but that's where you get the result. And so for me, it's a, it's a decision that you want the result and you are not going to stop until you find it, or it just gets so painful. It just doesn't make sense for you to continue. I think that's it. I think it's, you know, the, the word I use that is sort of in that vein is conviction, because you can have a you can have a feeling that I don't like this. I would like that, but I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And that's a feeling you can live, with, uh, you know, you can you, you basically tolerate burnout. You tolerate pain. You tolerate emotional burnout. You tolerate overwhelm for decades sometimes. Yeah. And I really feel like what you need is a conviction. It's something that goes from sort of a, a general, generalized feeling to a no more. Yeah. Yep. For this sure. It stops now, right? Um, and, and I think that's, that's the key. That's really the key. And, and the method is, is secondary, and you can find a good fit with a coach, with a program, whatever. Uh, but having that, 
this is it. There's no turning back. Yeah. I'm going to have a very different life. Uh, and I will keep trying and keep working on it until it's until I get there type thing, sure. right? So, and I don't know about you, Christian, like, but you know, with your clients, but for my clients, they also want to get there now. Like I could give you 25 books that, you know, was, was part of our reading and some of the things we did to, to sort of figure mm -hmm. out how to put all this together. And it's like, here, here's the 25 books. If you want to figure out how to make the connections between all the different things we did and try and you want like, but people don't need more information. Like, again, if they I want to go play tennis right now, I just want to go play tennis with my friends. Can someone yeah. just teach me and get me there quickly? Like, I don't want to learn how to play tennis all by myself by reading a book. I just want to go pay someone, get the lessons, get what I want to do and move mm -hmm. on with my life versus just reading a book. And so I think if you're at the reading the book stage, you're just acquiring information and you're not ready to have that conviction or make that decision yet. And that's fine. That's totally fine. People are like, Kate, why haven't you read, written a book? And I'm like, well, I could, my gosh, everything we teach is out on the internet. I've done God knows how much, you know, videos and podcasts exactly. and blogs mm -hmm. and like it's there, but, but that's not going to change your life until you're ready to. And, and hopefully there's people out there who are using the work that I've done. Um, and they're doing it, you know, every now and then you can, you can do that. Right. Like we certainly did. We read a ton of books. We did a lot of self-study. We did a lot yeah. of experimentation ourselves and we figured it out, but Absolutely. it took me 10 years. That was 10 years in the making. Like, I mean, imagine the cost of opportunity, right? The cost right. of lost opportunity of happiness, peace, joy, less revenue, damage, yeah. emotional damage to you and people you love. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, it's not free. Okay. It's very, very expensive to not move fast. Don't you think? It, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just even the burnout, like the fact that I burn out, that was $2 million. Like by the time you look at the lost wages, the lost income, the lost investments, mm -hmm. everything we put in, like that was two million. Like I will never get that $2 million back. Like that's mm -hmm. a significant amount of money. But then when you look at 10 years of living your life in a way that had a lot of frustration, right? Cause when you're trying to figure something out, you're not just like, well, this is fun. You're like, Oh, that didn't work. Now I'm back to the drawing board. Precisely. Um, that's different than having someone just go here. Here's the formula. Now, you know, I did this once with a, I wanted to be, have a permaculture garden okay. and I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And I bought all these books. Four years later, I had nothing but dead stuff in my yard. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I wanted it, but I didn't really want it. You know, I just wasn't really out there tending the garden. So I finally went and just hired this guy to come out. I paid him, I don't know, like $5,000. He like planted the whole thing, made sure the sun was the right and the water and, ugh, and the pumpkins grow next to the cranberries. And I don't know, whatever it was. And I loved it. And I got, what I wanted was to enjoy a permaculture garden. I didn't want to be a permaculture gardener. Yeah. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Like that's the difference. And I think also, I think if you want to walk somewhere, you know, let's say you want to go on vacation and you feel like, wow, I'd love to go to Miami and hang out there. Yeah. You can walk to Miami or can you, you can fly to Miami. It's right. going to be a very different experience. Right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so. And you can go coach or you can go first class. Like we could even go there. Like, you know, what's, exactly, how do you exactly. want to experience this? Yeah, for yeah, sure. That's, that's exactly it. I think you're right about it. And uh, well, if you're listening to this, uh, we'll put all the the relevant links in the show notes. Uh, Kate, uh, it, this is, you're brilliant. I'm a fan. I love your work. Uh, you're an inspiration. And I hope uh, more people hear about your work and actually work with you uh, to, to, to get to that good life that we all want. Oh, I'm so grateful, grateful to be on the show and grateful for everyone listening. So thanks so much for the opportunity.